Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. It's getting chilly. Mm-hmm. You it's, all notice that? You got you got chilly? I still got like sweaty. Really? Oh. Still sweaty up here in New York. Oh, it was 50 degrees when I left my house this morning. I'm a little jealous. Mm-hmm. That's sweater weather. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie wore a sweatshirt to school. Oh, man. I moved all my sweatshirts and sweaters officially into my closet. Are you living? Yeah, I got my big denim jacket on. I've, I've kept it waiting for a whole year now. <laughs> I feel like this is the, the perfect season for you, Riley. Denim jackets, sweaters, mm-hmm. cardigans, perhaps. Cardigans. <laughs> I have so many cardigans. They didn't, uh, for a second, it's funny, I showed up at, um, I, you know, I provide medical care at the one of our local day shelters and uh i showed up and there's like a screening desk they check everybody for covid symptoms and Mm -hmm. temperatures and stuff as you walk in and as i came up to the thing i was all huddled up in one of my big flannels and they looked at me and they were like can i help you because they thought i was like somebody new there or something i was like um i'm dr mcroy i knew who it was i was like hey it's me and they're like (laughs) We've never seen you all like in a big flannel. You're always in your scrubs. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's cold. <laughs> they thought I was like a new volunteer, or yeah. a, new, a new staff member or something. And I was like, no, I'm. It's me, just me. Like, well, you look so casual. I'm like, well, I want to be cuddled in a flannel. I. Mm-hmm. It got down. It rained a bunch last night, and it got down to like sixty two. And I put on a hoodie. Like I had to run some errands later. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go out in a hoodie. And I went out, walked outside. I'm like, no. No, I don't need this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. still sixty. I uh, yesterday was my first class day that would have been cold enough for me to wear a sweater or a cardigan or flannel or anything like that. All my fall outfits I love so much, but because I overslept and I was so so tired, all I wore was sweatpants and a sweatshirt. <laughs> I was like, well, at least it's cold enough. I could do this now. I guess <laughs> that's cozy. It's cozy. It was very comfortable. Um. You know, uh, we're we're edging up. It's getting cooler, so we're edging up on spooky time. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great. I guess in early celebration, Mom showed uh, Riley, uh, Riley, not Riley. What's me? That's you. That's you. Cooper, the corpse bride. Mm-hmm. One of my mm-hmm. favorites. Mm-hmm. And did she, she like said, it? I feel like she'd dig it. She did. She said, uh, "Is this made by Tim Button?" <laughs> She recognized the lighting. <laughs> Mom was like, yes. <laughs> the, the lighting clued her in. I don't know. Yeah. When I got, when I got, to, your, when I got wow. to your house today, she She's was watching Frank and Weenie. And mm-hmm. she said, did That's you cool. know this is the same guy that was in Corpse Bride that becomes Jackie? Which is yeah. a theory online that like the little kid in Frank and Weenie then grows up to be the older guy in Corpse Victor. Bride who then dies and becomes jackie skellington yes that is now what cooper believes is canon yeah well because they have a dog too mm-hmm. like yeah. the dog in frank and weenie but then it comes back to life but then it's you know a ghost and then it's zero and yeah. you know she loves got, all these things yeah i wonder if i can find pictures my first like cosplay that i legitimately made by hand was the corpse bride back my like freshman year of college hmm no she would like that. Yeah. She would like that very much. Very proud yeah. of that. Right now, um, I think her current, because her, her Halloween costume plans change. Every day. Daily. Minute to minute even. Um, but Adam's family is very high on the list. Mm. Mm. Wednesday? Yeah. 
Well, that's the big debate, right? Because Charlie's like, listen, I don't want to dress as Adam's family, but if we're going to dress as Adam's family, I'm Wednesday. Sure, sure. Um, Although I would argue personality wise, Cooper is more of a Wednesday than Charlie. Yeah. But but uh, Cooper, it's like it's funny because if Charlie argues enough about this, Cooper will say fine and like defer to Charlie on it and be like, you can be Wednesday. But she doesn't want to be Pugsley. She says, well, then I'll be Pubert, <laughs> <laughs> the, the baby from Adam's family value. <laughs> of course. I, I don't know why she becomes Pubert in this situation, but OK, I'll be Pubert. And I'm like, I'm not dressing as Morticia Adams for Halloween. I'm not doing why it. Not? I'm not. Oh, a tight low cut dress that just doesn't I like to be comfy I'd like to say though Sid every year you, you say you're going to do family costumes with your mm-hmm. children I can remember one year that you and Justin actually did dress up for a trick or treat well that is because uh, Charlie and Cooper well Charlie mainly Charlie guides all this it like she'll decide at the last minute that she wants to do something that has nothing to do like there is no family you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's no group costume because and she, sometimes cooper just like i want to be fozzy bear <laughs> yeah and then cooper looks and goes well if she's gonna do her own thing i'm fozzy <laughs> still my favorite costume. that was great her trigger is fozzy bear was great <laughs> that, i love that because the costume didn't just give her like ears and a hat or something like so that her face was fozzy it had a whole head fozzy's whole head on top on, of her yeah. head <laughs> She still wears that. Well, she did. She doesn't fit in it now. But for the longest time, even after that, like she would just wear it some days. I love just that. like be hanging around the house wearing a fuzzy bear costume. There's nothing wrong with that. I would have thought with her love for Jack Skellington and Sally. I asked her, I said, do you want to be Sally this year? I just thought that makes sense. She said, no. She got really <laughs> mad at Jack and mad. Sally. Yeah, she so. She sleeps, you know, with her big stuff, Jackie and Sally, every night. And she got mad. At, like, I found them laying on the ground one morning. And I was like, did you kick Jackie and Sally out of bed? And she was like, no, I don't want to sleep with them. And I was like, why don't you want to sleep with them? And she was like, I'm mad at them. Yeah. That's <laughs> what happened. And then she said that Jackie hit Sally. So she hit Jackie. And then she got mad at Sally, too. And so they can't sleep with her right now. Mm-hmm. I mean that happens. <laughs> I didn't know how to reconcile it, but now they're all fine again because she's sleeping with them again and she loves them again. I don't know. That's just that's just imagination. I I gave my stuffed Is animals it? cholera. Remember, <laughs> like, <laughs> you do weird things when you're alone in your bed with stuffed animals. <laughs> I had entire I, narratives about the Oregon I, Trail. With I don't Simba. know. It, it it like all of her narratives though usually are violent. <laughs> like yeah. like there there's murder sometimes in her narratives. Um often people are getting like lost or falling off things. She keeps making me play this game where I'm the I'm one of the Barbies and I'm the mom and she plays with these two little Anna Elsa little kid dolls. It's like them as kids and they're the kids and I turn evil. Because usually I, I interact with some gym or something and it makes me evil. Of course. And I shove my children off the roof. This is the narrative. And then after I do that, I turn good again and realize that I shoved my children off the roof. 
this is a game she tried to get me to play. And I said, I will not play this. I will not act this out with you. I would, I cannot do this. I don't want to be, <laughs> I mean, like, where does she get this stuff? I mean, I don't know, Sid. Like, I think it's just, I don't think it means anything bad. I think she might just be a creepy kid. I was a creepy kid. My my favorite game with my friends when we were little when we would play Barbies was actually to make like a Barbie murder house. Mm. I would make the house like full of traps and would kill my friend's Barbies. Like, the I was the killer, and I would murder all of their, their Barbies in horrible ways. And that was the game we liked to play. I, I to date, have not murdered a single human. <laughs> she, did, she did look at me this morning when she was watching Frank and Weenie, and I came into the house after the dog had already, uh, as Cooper said, been smushed mm. uh, before it came back to life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, what happened? That boy's crying. And she came over to me and put one hand on my face and said, his dog got smushed. I said, what? She said, it's dead. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it came back to life, which I thought was like the whole like Frankenweenie moment. Like, you know, he flips the levers and like does mm-hmm. the thing and it comes back to life. I said, oh, he brought it back to life. And she said, no, his sweet tears brought it back to life. <laughs> oh my God. I said, his sweet tears. Yes, it wasn't the other thing. It was his sweet tears. <laughs> So you don't think she's going to murder one of so us, So what if right? she like, murders an animal and tries to bring it back to life with uh, her sweet deer? No, I think she's just got a very powerful imagination and maybe a, a penchant for creepy things. It is and, totally and fine. I was too. Maybe I, a dark passenger. I mean, you know, that's fine. A little Dexter. <laughs> Maybe I'm raising a little Dexter. I don't know. I refuse to engage in these creepy games. I say I will not. I'll be tell you what. I'll be the evil mommy who like grounds you or makes you go to your room. You're boring. Or does it give you dessert? I'll be that mean mommy. (laughs) But then if you don't engage with her creativity, maybe she's going to think that it's bad and then she's going to feel shame and then she's going to hide that stuff. And then maybe that's when it goes to the bad place. (sighs) I am not a child psychologist i'm talking absolute poop we don't know tell you what tay you can come to our house and pretend to be the evil barbie mom who pushes her kids off the roof oh i just might introduce her to the concept of barbie murder house oh Oh, right right right, right. (laughs) um we're not talking about barbie murder house. (laughs) as fun as that sounds (laughs) as fun as that would be Yes, that's what I brought to the table this week. Gonna tell you about all the terrifying games I played as a child. That's not what you're gonna tell us about. No, I want to talk about uh, Furikuri. Uh, it is a an anime that I very much loved as a, a teenager. I think it came out in uh, 2000, uh, a- April of 2000. Um, I feel like it was it was released on uh, like American TV not long after that, or at least on DVD, because I remember watching it in high school. Um, but in I think short, like two thousand three is what I saw. So it was on Adult Swim then. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds right. Um, yeah, and it's just the original was just six episodes. Uh, there's not a, a lot to well, there's a lot to it, but there's not a lot content wise. Uh, and uh, there there have been I will say there there were two recent. Uh, sort of revivals of it, but I today I, I just want to talk about the the original anime. Well, um, first of all, can you for our listeners who are not familiar, um, and I don't know, having watched it, I'm still not entirely sure if I can give like a brief synopsis of what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like I need to watch it through again. Yeah, although reading about it has helped. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I think I have probably watched this five or six times in, in its entirety, and it, it, there's a lot that I still go like, mm, it's just cool to look at. But basically, there is a young boy that uh, he he lives in this town where you know, kind of nothing ever happens, uh, and then this uh, alien girl uh, sort of crash lands into his life, uh, and she literally, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and she's fighting this, like, force, this medical mechanica, this sort of uh, evil force that's present. Like, there's, like, a big facility in this town that's related to it. And uh, she can, like, gain access to things that are within medical mechanica through this portal, I guess, that's in this young boy's head. So she's using this young boy to to get what she wants. And it's the development of sort of their relationship together sort of a coming-of-age story in a very weird way. <laughs> um, there's the... So the title of the show is actually FLCL, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to figure out, like, what... what I, Fully Cooly is just supposed to be, like, a fun thing, right? Like, just a fun title for it that doesn't necessarily have a specific meaning. Well, I mean... They have several segments in the show where they kind of talk about what it is, but there's yeah. never a consensus, you know? Uh-huh. Um, there are a lot of words in Japanese that are sort of uh, like automatopoeic, like the sound that something makes is what it's called. Mm. So there's mm. that whole bit where they're like, goody goody and like all this, and they're making different sounds that represent like, you know, whatever, like your heart beating or, you know, like something. And it's along those lines. But I, they also at some point... It's like the shorthand for a medical process of like a brain scan. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's a bit of a nonsense term that's used in several ways throughout the show. Okay. I, uh, I, I will say after you, you told us, you know, last week what we were, what we were watching, I then a few days later went to go look it up and I'd forgotten you'd said it's just FLCL. I was like, eh, try to type it in. Like, eh, okay. <laughs> I know. I didn't know. <laughs> like, and then you just type a few things, see what comes up. And eventually it did come up. I was like, oh, that's right. They did say it was just FLCL. Never mind. Okay. That took longer than it should have. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I rem- when I first learned about it, all of my friends called it FLCL. We didn't, we just had heard that it was a cool anime. We should watch it. And then watch it. I was like, oh, no. We've been mispronouncing the title. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, my initial take on it. And I would love to know about, like, why it means so much to you and, you know, why, why it's important to you. But um, my initial take is that it, it felt very much, and I, I understand this is just one interpretation of it, of, like, a, you said coming of age, but, like, specifically, like, a puberty sort of story. Mm-hmm. Because it seems to be a lot of imagery that, like, really does feel like kind of that sexual maturing kind of thing. But then also emotional and relationship mature, you know, like all that, of course, is what the show develops into. But like immediately, like the first episode, I was like, oh, this is some sexy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is there is a lot of I mean, there's nothing explicitly sexual, but there's a lot of, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of content that I think you could read as sexual, but not in like uh, like a sexy way. It's an awkward, uncomfortable teenagers coming to terms with like sex way which which is i think yeah i think that's a big part of the story is you know uh, a young boy learning how to like kind of navigate his desires his impulses 
but it's played out in this weird sort of metaphor rich narrative you know yeah i mean i i thought i thought i mean like quite literally he's trying to hide this giant growth that comes out of his forehead (laughs) 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 and i was like oh okay yeah no i mean that some people have reduced it just to like oh that this is about like a boy learning to control his boners, which I think is a bit reductive. <laughs> I think that's a bit simplistic for the show, uh, but I don't think you're wrong in saying that's there. <laughs> um, you know, I hadn't thought that, Sydney. I, that didn't immediately cross my mind. It didn't? No. I I mean, now I'm like, okay, well, all right. But I I saw it in a little, I don't know. Right? I I, that was the first that, thing I Sydney. thought is like, ah, uh, that's supposed to be like a boner. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think it works. I mean, I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I thought it was more about like, because it's coming, it's it's coming from his head and several things are coming out of his, his head throughout the right. show. That it's more about like, like the things that can literally come out of, not literally, right. figuratively come out of your head. Like, yeah. you know, the way you direct your life with your thinking and that, that's his, he, I mean, like he produces a super cool robot from his head that he can like get inside of and pilot and be a hero and to me, that feels very much like the kind of identity that, you know, a young man would make for himself, like envision for himself mm. before learning that that's not who he is, really. But then he doesn't have a brain in his head. Well, he's got like a portal. I don't know if he doesn't have a brain. <laughs> it's never really explained why exactly he can summon things through his head that are particularly... Well, in, but in that one scene, like they do, because he goes and gets like... An MRI, I suppose, is what it, it is. Yeah. And they're like, there's no brain, right? Like, that's what they say. I don't know. Well, but Haruko is running the... Haruko is the, the alien that uh, rides a Vespa and carries a guitar and h- hits him in the head to make things come out of his head. Uh, she's the one running the MRI. So I don't know if I would trust her medical knowledge. She stole that nurse's costume and is just wearing it. <laughs> I, That's true. I, I had no idea what to expect going into this. And I will say as soon as she it, a, appears, as soon as she enters, arrives, I was like, oh, all right. This is going a whole other direction. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot happening all at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was great. It was great. I just was not expecting it. I was like, okay, all right, here's where we're going now. I mean, that's, I, I feel like the, the, the most of the love for Furikuri is, I think it's, I think it's fair to say it's centered around the character of Haruko. I think it's just an iconic mm-hmm. character in anime. And, you know, I mean, that was, I feel like I have very much like types of characters I enjoy, you know, like it's that sort of tank girl, like just a completely untamed woman who is just like <laughs> on the on the edge of like good or bad. You don't really know neither, but completely out of control. Like I very much like that archetype and that is very much mm-hmm. Haruko, you know. Mm-hmm. It's well. I think it's always interesting too when you see that kind of character, and I I wonder too if when we were younger, Tay, if you weren't drawn to characters like that in shows who weren't men, because it's so much more acceptable in any form of media, whether it be an anime or we're talking about a movie or a book or a TV show, anything for a character who is male to be you know, on the border of good and bad, like motivated by clearly some of their own like self-interest and goals and whatever. And like whatever they have to do to achieve that 
it'll straddle that line. It's okay. Hmm. You know, and like we're used to seeing that sort of anti-hero as a very masculine figure. And that's cool. And it's nice to see characters that aren't masculine who Hmm. are, you know, fulfilling that sort of journey. Like a like Han Solo kind of figure, you know. Yeah. Well, and those are, I mean, regardless of gender, those are always my favorite kind of characters. But I do agree that they're far more bereft when they're non-male. <laughs> there are a lot less yeah. of them. You know, usually, yeah. if, especially like, I don't know, you're either, you're either the innocent, you know, girl who needs saving or you're the evil sexy woman. It's like there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. There's no nuanced in between. Yeah, and it's always nice to see stuff. Um, there's, I mean, I'm certain there's a lot more of that now. Yeah, you know, in popular culture, because we know that regardless of gender, you can be a lot of different things and act a lot of different ways. But there was a lot less of that when mm-hmm. we were younger. Well, and that, and you know, I mean, I I liked that her character. I mean, she's not good or bad. She has a goal. She's here to free this uh, space pirate. That maybe she's in love <laughs> yep. with, maybe she wants to consume and take his power. It's not really clarified. It's a weird show. But, you know, that's that's her goal. And she's going to utilize whatever she can to reach that goal. And she does take care of the young boy, uh, Nauta. She does take care of him. She is kind to him to a certain degree, but she's also using him. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, especially like as like a teenager, I think my my appeal of of Furikuri was it was a cartoon that has moral ambiguity. Like it has things that don't line up and don't don't get tied up in a neat little bow. And I like that. Like I like the medium of animation. It's always appealed to me more than live action. And this has themes that we usually don't get in children's cartoons, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk more about about that, about the ambiguity, because I do think like it's interesting that it was in my mind, representing a lot of different um, ways of like loving and relationships and that kind of stuff before you're fully formed, like especially like when you're a teen and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, I want to, I want to tell you all about our first sponsor story worth. Okay. If that is okay. All right. Uh, So we are pretty close with all of our family. You know, we're a pretty tight knit group, Um, but we're all busy and we don't always get to like just sit down and share stories and tales of our lives together. You know, especially like sometimes your older family members you get to spend time with, but you don't get to hear all the, you know, all the stuff that they have done in their lives. All those things that like if you got the chance, you'd really want to ask them that question. Um, And then sometimes you don't even know that there's a really great question you could ask that would elicit a really cool story. Um, and StoryWorth has, can help you out if you're in that situation. It's an online service that helps uh, a loved one share their stories and memories and things that have happened that they would want their family to know or their family would love to know about them um, in a really easy way. They just email a different story prompt every week, all kinds of different questions, um, you know, things like what is one of the strangest things that has ever happened to you or what's a small decision you made that ended up having a big, big impact in your life things that are thought provoking. Um, They're fun to be on either end because that's fun to think about your life that way and to sort of write down your memories in that context um, with those kinds of prompts. And obviously they're really enjoyable for the, 
for the other family members who get to then read and, and share that part of your life that maybe you just hadn't thought to tell anybody about. Um, after a year, StoryWorth will compile every story and photos, if you put those in there, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. You can order multiple copies if you want to and share them around. And it's a, it's a really wonderful present you can have. You can give to somebody and then get in return. So, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out StoryWorth, what should they do? Well, StoryWorth is a meaningful gift you and your family can treasure forever. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to StoryWorth.com slash stillbuffering. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash stillbuffering for $10 off. So this week, our podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. In, in this, this modern age of everything that's happening all at once, which I literally mean is like everything possible is happening all of the time to everyone, I think. Um, it, it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, what you don't have, what you got going on. Um, life can be very stressful, especially now, I think, for everyone. Um, whether that's because maybe you've, you've been alone for an especially long period of time, staying safe and staying isolated. Maybe lots of things you've been looking forward to have been canceled or postponed and you haven't gotten to do all those things that you've been planning on for a long time. I know I fall into to both of those boats. Um, you know, you may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high and you're not totally feeling like yourself, you feel like you got a lot, lot on your lot on your chest, lot on your plate all at once, you could probably use the chance to unload you know, just get it out, talk it out with someone. Uh, and I know for me, it especially helps to talk to someone who is completely unbiased about your life. It's also, it's always great to talk to your siblings or your parents, but sometimes it helps to just talk to someone who's just there to listen, who isn't going to judge you or take sides. Um, and you'll be surprised at how much it can help. I, I know for me, uh, talking to someone in, in therapy helps a lot, uh, especially recently. Um, and that is why we're telling you about BetterHelp, if maybe you could use someone to talk to as well. So, Tay, if our listeners want to check out BetterHelp, what should they do and what's, what's it all about? Well, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and still buffering listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash buffering. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash buffering. Uh, so, Taylor, it made me think of it when you were talking about, um, you know, Haruko's ultimate goal in the show. I was thinking about like that idea of like loving somebody, wanting to be with somebody, but also maybe wanting to consume them and become them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, and like when you put it that way, like it's funny because that when you are young and you're figuring out what affection, intimacy, love, what all that is, what it looks like, what am I feeling towards this person? How do I put a word to it? Like that is one of the things that you go through are re like these sort of infatuations where you don't know if you want to be somebody or be with somebody, but you know you like that whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, and <laughs> well, I think that that's well, trust me, it's I really that well sort level. of. Huh? I said I know that on an intimate level. <laughs> <laughs> it's really well represented there. Yes. Well, and I think even, uh, you know, in the, the relationship between uh, Haruko and Naoto, 
the the little boy, he the first thing he calls her when she appears, just kind of out of nowhere, and he just sees this figure, he calls her by his brother's name. So he has this older brother mm-hmm. that's, I guess, in America playing baseball. Uh, and he, yeah. it's clear <laughs> that this was his idol. This was somebody that was kind of the center of his universe. There's another character, uh, Mamini, who's clearly, it was they were perhaps involved. But he was very much an important, like, heroic figure in the lives of all the main characters up to this point. And so when he sees Haruko and he he calls her that, I think it's sort of, it's that same idea where he's attracted to Haruko because he's a young boy and she's a, a, a pretty lady, but also she's strong and decisive and powerful and goes after what she wants. And I think that those are qualities that probably he related to his brother, you know? Mm-hmm. So that is that that conflation of just like, are you the adult I want to be? Are you the kind of person I want to find? Are you both? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I definitely saw that aspect of it there, and and I f- I feel like that's very that's very relatable when you're <laughs> when you're kind of figuring everything out. Um, for me, it was Hawkeye Pierce, but you know everybody's got their own. Sure, sure. I think I think I want to date Hawkeye from Mash. No, I think I want to be Hawkeye from Mash. Maybe both. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you judging me? It's Alan Alda. Oh, of course, no one should judge that. No, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, that was Shigo from Kim Possible. Okay, uh. yeah. Um, <laughs> Basically the same thing. (laughs) We're also getting a bit of the bisexual struggle here. Yeah. (laughs) Because mine at first was, oh, I want to be her. She's so cool. And then a little bit later, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I I like that. I like that TikTok meme I've seen going around, which is like, you realize you're bisexual when you watch The Mummy for the first time. And you just, you're attracted to everything that's happening there. It's like all of this. I like all. It's all good. I like all of this. How did that happen? I like all of it. <laughs> I I know this is a this is a total aside, but just did did you all see that Elvira came out? Yes. Yeah, she's had a girlfriend for nineteen years or a wife, I guess. I didn't. know I that. could not believe that. Yeah, she hasn't defined herself as any one thing. She was married to a man before, so I think a lot of bisexuals have claimed her. But mm-hmm. <laughs> just you know. <laughs> happy Halloween. She is ours. <laughs> you hear that, straights? We're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate win i feel like yeah oh i don't mean offense to straights i'm married to one that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> they're they're fine <laughs> they're fine uh but you know another aspect that i haven't talked about pretty goody that i think was was a big part of my love for it is the music the music mm-hmm. is so good mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's by the pillows which is like a it's like a japanese like alt rock band uh i, I listen to them a lot i don't know like I, I've heard them, I think back in the day when they were introduced to me, it was like, it's like Japanese Weezer. They're their own independent, very accomplished artists, but it does fall in that realm of like sort of alt nerdy rock and like the the music makes this so much more powerful than I think the anime would be without it, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely, I enjoy the music. I enjoy the, I was, when in one of the articles I was reading about it, they were talking about the kind of guitar that she carries. Yeah, like I guess is very cool. I don't know anything about guitars. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's a very cool guitar. And I think it's also a great symbol to employ about this sort of coming of age, a young boy figuring out who he is. Like, 
that there are all these cool guitars, you know, like, it's like I don't know who I'm going to get a guitar. Like, it's going to be my personality for a while. That is definitely part of, of growing up, though. There is that moment where you decide. Uh, and I think for many of us, it is a guitar. Yeah. Well, yeah. now is the time I get the guitar and that becomes who I am. Yeah. <laughs> the person who wanders around playing a guitar and annoying everybody. <laughs> Um, I did read that the uh, the the creators of the show chose to use a soundtrack like that. That was more of like I, at the time it was more of a modern sound, um, and I guess that was not typical for anime. I guess that wasn't something that you would usually see. Is that true? That that's not usually like the kind of soundtrack you would see. They said that using that kind of a sound and as opposed to a more traditional type, um, I guess anime soundtrack. I think now, like you know mainstream bands or like popular bands of all genres are employed in a lot of anime music and Mm -hmm. i won't say it was it didn't happen because i'm thinking of some other bands that definitely like i saw perform at otakon because they did openings for other animes but like the through music i do Mm -hmm. think that was unique for the time right like it's not just the opening and the closing it's that throughout the show you get the same refrains and the same like bass lines i think that was very unique Mm. I don't know. It's still, I don't know if it holds up to Rainy Day Man for me. <laughs> From Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that. that we used soundtrack. to sing that over and over again. <laughs> uh, you, you, what was that? By Music Kitchen did all that music? Uh, I think, yeah. The Sailor Moon soundtracks. The, the US release, because there are amazing soundtracks that came out in the Japanese language version. There are all these image songs, like the background music, the. That's all very cool. And then the American, we had a release of these two CDs that were like the Sailor Moon soundtrack. And like, only some of the songs are actually in the show. They're all very bad. I, you know, (laughs) in a beloved way. Music is so subjective. (laughs) No, don't get me wrong. What's the, I mean... Only a memory away that plays when Ami is leaving and then mm-hmm. she decides to come back. That makes me cry. Uh, what's the big one? Um, my Only Love. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Sang that over and over again. Yeah. Maybe not not on the same level as the Pillows uh, discography, <laughs> but still very, very good at its own right. You know, no. do you think you mentioned Sailor Moon and that that was something I was thinking about in that other than Sailor Moon, which was very formulaic straightforward i i think we all understood what that was about (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yes all of the anime that i liked in the same time period the thing that they all had in common were i think that part of the appeal was you didn't quite get it Mm -hmm. like evangelion serial experiments lane i think you watched some of that one sid that was a weird one and then lane was very strange yeah and furikuri like there was an element to it where you could kind of mull over some of the symbolism you could have conversations about what do you think this is supposed to mean and it wasn't spelled out for you and maybe there even wasn't an answer and i kind of dug that you know well go ahead what was the other one we talked about the where the the one turns into a car oh utena absolutely (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 that's what i was thinking of that it was very much like that um in the sense that i was just like yeah, I can't. I I don't think I can tell you what I just watched, but like in a way, I subconsciously get it, but I also don't. Well, it. I think what's so cool about it is that like, it speaks to the fact that when I when we were younger, the idea of what was animated in the U.S. was very one like my concept of what what an animated thing is was very one thing. It was like 
a silly kid's story. Kid's cartoon. It was mm-hmm. a kid's cartoon. That, that, that was, again, I'm not saying that's what animation is. That was my concept of it when I was Same. young. And what these shows that I think you were being exposed to a lot more and then so somewhat through you, me, um, these shows that we were getting from you know, Japanese animation were showing us is that not only can animation, first of all, be for anybody, not just kids, but it was also using the medium to do something totally different. You know, it wasn't just let's tell us, let's tell a story using animation. It's, it's surrealist. It's about the colors and the visuals and the way that like, sometimes they're using different kind of styles of animation or like comic book or manga pages you know to show scenes and then the music too and all of it coming together and it's not i don't i don't know how to express you you're an artist taylor you could probably express this better but it's not the same thing mm. right oh yeah no I, I agree entirely i mean i think it's funny because what you're what you're saying uh is very similar to one of my favorite uh i guess arguments about comics is that comics should do what comics can do outside of what movies can do because sometimes you read a comic and it's lovely the illustrations are great but you kind of feel like you're just seeing a camera move around a scene mm-hmm. and you know you yeah have, like full filled in backgrounds fully drawn realized figures and it just feels very flat to me because ultimately it's trying to mimic something that a live action movie is always going to be able to do better you've just got a stationary camera and it's moving around a scene it's closing up it's moving back and my favorite kind of comics are things that utilize the comic medium, that you can have dropped out backgrounds, you can have wide gutters that show passage of times, you can have the page turn reveal something. There's There are things you can put into play in the comics medium that you can't replicate on screen, and those are the things we should really highlight, because that's what's unique about our medium. And absolutely the same is true for animation. And yeah, all these animes that I've mentioned, like they have that ability to like employ the the symbolism and the flatness and the color and like the, you know, even like as simple as characters going into like the, what do we used to call it? Like the chibi form or the super deformed yeah. form, like when they get little and goofy, mm-hmm. that's a, you can do that in animation and you can't do that in live action. So everything that, that purposely enjoys the cartoon medium, I feel like is just makes me so happy to see, you know? <laughs> well, it also makes so much sense as to like, like, you know, you know that this is all being crafted and decided. It feels intentional, which, you know, I, I think that improves the the quality of what you're watching because like, oh, you chose this medium because you had these things and you, you're using it to do this. And that all makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. This like hits on why, by the way, the little golden books that just tell movie stories never like the kids <laughs> love those. And I never want us to get those. Um they're cool but like it's just like the story from the movie and i appreciate when they don't do that yeah the one we just got two, and the nightmare before christmas one is just the movie nightmare before christmas but turned into a little golden book it's unfortunate the loki one isn't it's in the loki (laughs) little golden book is a whole other story about loki that's separate and i i appreciated that like okay good you didn't just try to replicate the movie anyway (laughs) still love little golden books nothing against them all Oh yeah, I mean, you know, like I think there's there's a thousand ways to tell a story, and I'm not gonna say that one is. I I have my preference for sure, and I feel like this is, this is where my preference lies. You know, it's that that ability to, I don't know. I mean, there is so much in Furikuri that is weird visual metaphors, like sort of magical elements that don't ever get explained, 
And and I like that because it feels like it's existing in a realm that is outside of reality. And mm. that's anything could happen. You know, people get like people are there's one scene where I guess they're shooting guns, but nobody's getting hurt. Like and it's not like thrown off as like they're rubber bullets. It's just there's just nobody's getting hurt by them. It doesn't matter. It's just a goof. It's an mm-hmm. extended goof. But, you know. And and I really think like y- you look at things like this like shows like this where it is very surreal and there's a lot of like metaphor and we're, we're talking about love and sex and coming of age and growing up and relationships and all these different things are being discussed even though they're not openly you know even though that's not the actual text of what's being said i feel like it paves the way i kept thinking like there's so many things here and i'm sure this is not the only anime like that it's just i haven't been exposed to as many as you have today but like i'm watching it thinking like these are the things that led us to Steven Universe, which is about all those things, too, but in a more, like, literal way, you know? Like, all those elements bring... I don't know. I've kept, I have kept thinking that. Like, mm-hmm. there are elements of this that remind me of Steven Universe. I can see that. I mean, I think... I think there's, like, that lack of ambiguity in Steven Universe where we've just chosen to explain the, what the magical things represent. Mm-hmm. And we've got... Yeah. It's still that heightened reality, which I enjoy, but... There's this this total commitment to not being understood. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. you know, I, I, maybe it wouldn't sell to like, what well, probably wouldn't sell to a mainstream animation audience in America, but definitely had like a, a glory point in, in, the, in the late 90s and oh, 2000s. <laughs> from, from what I could tell, it is uh, like unanimously loved by critics. Every, every like review and stuff I read about it was glowing um like every you know it it i don't know if it broke into like mainstream audience success but in terms of like critical success and like a uh, a big cult following and inspirational for other programs like absolutely all it checks all those boxes i i did think it was funny that you say that you know the commitment to not being understood in a very more literal way um, the the creator was talking about when it was like being transferred to an American audience, and I guess there was a lot of like in jokes that were very much understood by the Japanese audience that they were trying to figure out how do we translate this so it makes sense, like not just like translate it so like the words translate, but like so how any of it makes sense to someone in America. And there were I guess there were some people at the time saying, you know, this doesn't translate well to an American audience. You need to work better at making this more understandable and comprehensive to someone not from japan and the creator was like comprehension is not key in understanding this show you shouldn't need to comprehend it to to like the show you don't need to understand it <laughs> i think that's really true it's funny when i was rewatching it because now i think i'm more aware of localization it's where like yeah if somebody makes a pun in japanese we'll translate it to not directly translate it we'll we'll put it in a, an english pun um, right but but there's none of that. Like there's that whole first comic book sequence. I think it's in the first episode, and they're making all the puns on Furikuri, and they're making all those other uh, like sounds that are make sense of the Japanese language. And they had no interest in making that easier to understand. Mm-hmm. But then I also feel like that's true. Like I feel like you could watch this and just sort of turn off your brain and think of it as you're watching an extended, very cool, very visual music video, and you would enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. I Well, that kind of happened after a while, because like that scene that you're talking about, I rewound it and watched it again, to because yeah. I was like, I didn't understand any of that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea 
if and, and my assumption at first was a plot point has happened and I don't <laughs> I've missed it and now I won't understand what's happening and I watched it again I was like no nah, still don't understand anything that just happened and then after a while I got the sense like mm-hmm. oh, okay I'm not, fine. Yeah, this is fine yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to as I, I read somebody said like it, it you had you just have fun and isn't that what this is supposed to do yeah like you should be having fun you don't have to understand it and it's interesting because I think when you do just kind of go along for the ride, you still get hit by these moments that absolutely make sense to you. Like the the baseball episode where they keep yeah. saying that Nalto is somebody that doesn't swing the bat. And I think we know what that means. Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. just you don't go for what you want. You don't you don't make moves in your life. Like, that's very much like, I think, a young adult feeling. And when he's when he finally swings the bat. It's a guitar, but like, yeah, yeah. Out of all the, you know, wildness going on, that moment still kind of catches me and like chokes me up. Like, oh, you know, like it's it's like he's he's moving into himself. That's great. I think I think that's the other part of it that is cool. Is like as I was trying to think about like why is this so? Why am I having trouble following it initially? Part of what I considered is am I seeing it? in some ways through the eyes of a like a 12 year old boy Mm -hmm. is that part of why this is hard for me because like i'm not i'm I'm a 38 year old woman and so (laughs) but as a kid when i was 12 did the world look a little more like this not literally you know what i mean but like is that sort of how things come in and out of your existence in your headspace like it all feels weird and surreal and stuff feels sudden that isn't sudden and stuff is loud and colorful. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. everything sort of comes in at that volume because it's all new. It's all weird. And inside your body, everything is freaking out. And so (laughs) I don't know, like if you look at it that way, it makes more sense. Yeah. In a very real sense, it's like going through puberty. It's like your body's being hijacked by an alien force all sorts of weird things are happening that don't make sense. There are thoughts in your head that aren't yours. Like suddenly people are worried about what kind of adult you're going to be. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. And I think that there's, that's part of, that's the story that's being told here. But it's not trying to make it, it's, it's trying to tell the story of the psychology of it, not the reality mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Tay, I just want to say that I had never heard of this series um, before you brought it up for this for whatever reason i don't know why it had i had missed it but um i super enjoyed it it was really neat um i i kind of want to watch it again so that i can like Mm -hmm. think through some of these things you know what i mean like it felt like something i needed to re-examine afterwards yeah um and i'm looking forward to i want to check out the other series like seasons that came later yeah Yeah. i mean that they're very like it's how it goes there it's a little bit like there's a, a you know a young adult companion that she's using for it's not the same at all but it kind of has the feel the same vibe to it the style Mm -hmm. changes a bit my heart still belongs to the original but i do think if you're a fan of the original the new ones are worth checking out yeah well thank you so much because i definitely would not have encountered this had you not brought it up and i really enjoyed it either yeah and of course as always there there is a lot of sexual content there is a lot of violence so just if you're sensitive about that stuff you know maybe this isn't for you but it very much the beloved anime to me so thank you both for for watching this with me thank you thank you what's next rilo well um we we seem to have a history of talking about less uh, less than great maybe some questionable sequels on this show (laughs) i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know about that um but uh it has been brought to my attention that 
Legally Blonde also maybe has a questionable in terms of quality compared to the original sequel called Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde that we have not discussed. Um, that I feel like if I'm going to criticize Sydney's sequel choices, we can at least do the same for you my own <laughs> so and talk about legally blonde too all right love it i haven't seen it so i'm looking forward to it oh, yeah should be should be interesting maybe i'll love it maybe i well that's knowing actually, you yeah you'll it's very probably possible. like very it better possible. than the original yeah very possible well thank you all thank you listeners taylor thank you um as taylor said if uh obviously there's sex there's violence but if if you like that stuff <laughs> you like flcl fully gooey uh and thank you to maximum fun you should go to maximumfun.org check out all the great shows there you can email us at still buffering at maximumfun.org and you can tweet at us at still buff and thank you to the novellas for our theme song baby change your mind this has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us i am riley smurl i'm sydney mcelroy and i'm taylor smurl i am still buffering and i am We didn't mention the guy with the seaweed paper for eyebrows. I thought that that... Oh, my gosh, we did it. That's something that I don't think... They, I like that they didn't try to localize that. Like, how would they have explained that? Yeah. Green pork grind. I don't know. Never <laughs> understand. Yep. Pork grind. <laughs> Congratulations. You've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely so. you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.